G'day afternooners. Oh, yes. Work from home on this Tuesday. Hope you're all well to start your afternoon uh, on this Tuesday afternoon. Yes. Um, so I'm work from home. Coach K's work from the office. So not happy about that, the great man. So we might hear a little bit about that later on in the program. Uh, g'day afternooners. Thanks for tuning in. However you were listening, SEN welcomes you to what we like to describe here as our very, uh, very broad house of worship. You're listening via SENQ 693am in Brisbane, SEN 1170am in Sydney. Remember, SEN app, you can listen anywhere at any time. We are doing it all thanks to SBS Fence, portable toilet and temporary fence hire in Sydney. I always say it, but really do it. Uh, go and see Alex and the team at sbsfence.com.au. We've got a couple of prizes up for grabs today. The best caller gets the $100 thanks to Tristan and the team up there at Top Sport. The Who Am I? What are we going with? The donkey milk again, are we? The olivolio.store. What a great idea for Christmas. Anyone, you know, last minute Christmas, get in early because you're going to avoid disappointment. But uh, why wouldn't you do that? I think that's a, a great idea. So we'll put that up for the Who Am I as well. The ever popular, the increasingly popular Who Am I. Uh, so to win that, you've got to give us a, a text message, 0457-736-736, or give us a call, one 300 0-1-11-70. On the show today, as usual, on a Tuesday. So, Channel 7 Sports Reporter, Jaleesa Apps. We're going to speak to football broadcaster, Daniel Garb. They are regulars on a Tuesday. Special guest today is former Australian cricketer, George Bradley Hogg. So, over there in the West, getting ready for this test match that starts on Thursday. Heard across the SEN network. So we are looking forward to that. So uh, we've got also the score update with Coach K. We'll get Afternoons Amplified with Coach K. We've got the Who Am I with Coach K. We've got the two o'clock flock with you, the caller. And of course, we sprinkle a few text messages all the way throughout that during the course of the program. I think we've got a standout talk topic for today, uh, inspired, inspired by our man, Coach K, but um, we will get to that very shortly. First of all, let's get to this. Well done, Charlie Goodsir, who was out there yesterday, might have been the day before, um, picking off some interviews for SEN and came across the legendary KJ O'Keefe. And it was interesting. Kerry was there and he, he talked about the Australians losing their love of cricket. Take a listen. I don't know much about streaming. All I know is I, I want us as a nation to have cricket available more and more because we've deep down lost our love of it. Uh, I don't want to be talking about Adam Fanua Blake in November. <laughs> and when I hear sports talk about people on other stations say it's early November and they say, oh, I can't wait for round one of the NRL. Please. Uh, so we will have more cricket later on in the program. Getting to some rugby league news now, and the Sharks are reportedly putting their name in the ring to sign Adam Fanua Blake. I can't believe it. What about this big news? So the Sharks can join the Tigers, the Bulldogs, and the Dragons. Yes, everyone knows we've got to pay them a million bucks. But the Char Sharks chairman, Steve May, said, why wouldn't any club consider a player like Adam? So if you're a club in Sydney, and you have any space on your cap, and even if you don't have space, maybe you can make space on your cap, then you've got to be interested in adding Fanua Blake. So now you can add another one. There you go. Tigers, Bulldogs, Dragons, Sharks, and apparently 
There is space in the cap because no Matty Moylan, no Connor Tracy. So he would join a rotation. Braden Hamlin, Ueli, Toby Rudolph, Royce Hunt, Oregon Kafusi. That is some very good middle forwards there. We're in Vegas, baby. Yeehaw. All right. Who do we get over there selling the message? That's right. We had our man, Aaron Woods. Here's Aaron Woods, halftime on Fox Sports coverage of the NFL Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Raiders versus the Minnesota Vikings game. This was being played at Allegiant Stadium. Take a listen. I think the Americans love the collision in sport, and you know Vegas is the entertainment capital. We want to bring the main game for Australia. That we love, we love doing it back home. And then there's no helmets, there's no pads. We're just in there to make collision, and then just get the fans pumped up like they are today. All right. <laughs> in a nutshell, 15 seconds or less, Aaron, explain the game, and that's it. Right. So uh, you could hear that he was he was on point. Right. The no helmets thing. I think they're going strong with that. Uh, get the set. No pads. Yes. I think I think they're going to go strong with that one as well. So there you go. What did you make of it? I'm sure you're all saw it. What What did you make of our our uh, foray into the NFL? We said it yesterday, but what? Why are you wearing a Chicago Bulls cap and a Las Vegas Raiders shirt, then you're just blending in. You need to you need to blend out. You need to stand out from the crowd. So anyway, uh, give us your thoughts on that one. Herbie Farnworth has turned up there to Dolphins training. Uh, he's got a new three-year deal. He's only 23 years of age. I thought he was older than that. 23 years of age. And he also hinted at the fact that he's got a few things to improve on. Devastated, of course, following that heartbreaking 26-24 grand final loss. He's Herbie on leaving the Broncos? I've always got a bit of a, a, a soft spot for the Bronx. Obviously came, came through there from England as a kid, but I'm uh, here at Ready now and at Dolphins now and I uh, love it here and I'm just keen to be a part of a, a, a winning team. Uh, so there he is. He's turned up. Uh, you wonder where he plays, Herbie Farnworth. Very good left centre. Very good. Uh, just wonder, does he... Where's Hamaso play? Where does, where does Wayne... Because my understanding was that Herbie went there on the understanding that he'd be playing fullback. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. We had it late yesterday, but Junior Amon, have you given this any further thought? He's got the two-year intensive corrections order. So that's going to be served in the community. He's 21 years of age. His father was sentenced to two and a half years in jail, non-parole period of 12 months. NRL Integrity Unit and the Dragons are together and they're trying to work out what sort of suspension slash fine is most appropriate. What do you think is appropriate? I'll, I'll give it a go. How about this? Um, and we're not lining it up with the Mitch Pierce eight weeks, $125,000 with the simulation with a dog, right? We're not lining it up with that because that was ridiculous. This is a far more serious um, uh, indiscretion. And so where do we go? I'm going to go with this $100,000 fine, $50,000 of it suspended and Whatever percentage of his contract $100,000 makes up, then you suspend him for that many games. So, for example, if he's on $400,000, then $100,000 makes up 25% of his total salary. You suspend him for 25% of total games. That equals six games. What do you reckon? Dragons fans, outside of Dragons fans, do you, is that is that fair? $100,000 fine, 50 of it suspended, and lose six games. But there's, I don't know if there's any sort of methodology that they use, but I, that one sits okay with me. Let me know what you think on that one as well. The Women's Rugby League, we're talking about the moving of the season. So there's no Harvey Norman leading into the NRLW. So they're going to play it at the same time. Harvey Norman 
is then going to be like a feeder comp or a reserve grade comp to the NRLW. That's all. That all makes sense, right? Pathways, yes. Otherwise, you're just rotating players. So that that makes a whole heap of sense on that one. What doesn't make sense now is that they are playing the State of Origin series, three-game series now, which is great, as it should be. But they're playing it when the New South Wales players won't be playing any week-to-week footy, but the Queensland players will be, or those players playing in the Queensland Cup. So if we worried about workloads for men's players, now that these two competitions are running streamlined, the Harvey Norman and the NRLW, are we going to see NRLW players who are previously uh, playing in Sydney or based in New South Wales going up and playing in the in the Queensland Cup just so they can be ready for State of Origin? So I, I think this is a missed opportunity. So you've been prepared to move the Harvey Normans, move the NRLW, like the AFLW, move it. Nothing is set in stone. Move Origin. Women's Origin does not have to be played when men's Origin is played. Imagine women's Origin being played during, um, with the lead-up from the NRLW in the last three or four weeks of the NRL season, and then you play through till after. So you then play first week of women's Origin, first week of finals, second week of women's Origin, grand final, and then you extend out like that from the AFL. Think about how much free air the AFLW Grand Final got this year and think what it could do for the NRLW. So I reckon they've got their scheduling wrong. I understand what they're doing with their their two tournaments and they're lining them up so it does act out as a reserve grade, but they've got it wrong. They've got it wrong, on in my opinion. Give us your thoughts on it as well. BBL, let's get back to cricket, Kerry. I'm joking. I'm joking. BBL match number five. Well done, the Sixers. They got it done against the Hobart Hurricanes. They batted first, the Canes, eight for 135. Caleb Jewell, 42 off 24. Tom Curran, what a star. Three for 19 off four. So that's a subpar total. The Sixers, I won't say they did it comfortably. Four for 139 with four balls to spare, but they're now two from two. Daniel Hughes has put his name back up in lights. Remember, he got dropped from the New South Wales Sheffield Shield side, and at that point you're thinking, mm, what's next for Daniel Hughes? 60 not out off 50. Jordan Silk, 23 off 19. So tonight we've got match six, Thunder versus the Heat. That's from Monica. You'll hear that across the SEN airwaves. Just on cricket, Nathan Lyon. He's talked about the inspiration for him to get back after falling into a, quote, dark depression after he tore his calf. I like this. It sounds arrogant. This is a direct quote from Nathan. But I'm extremely confident in my skill set. I feel like if I was there, this is in the ashes, for the remainder of that test series, I feel like the results would have been totally different. I feel exactly the same way, Nathan Lyon. Uh, I love to know, and he's been inspired by the AFL and the NRL Grand Finals. Nathan Lyon, uh, Nathan Cleary's conjuring uh, that Penrith Panthers miracle. Sorry to walk over that again, Herbie, but um, that's exactly why he does this thing. He also had a bit to say about the contribution of David Warner to the Australian side. Let's hear Nathan Lyon on that. I honestly don't feel like the Australian public probably realise the importance that David has played for Australian cricket team over the last 13 years. I think I've played over 100 test matches with David and um, to see what he's been able to do for Australia is pretty amazing. So there's Nathan Lyon in defence of David Warner. And then there was Nathan Lyon talking about, well, if Mitch Johnson walks up, having played with him in that 20, famous 2013-14 Ashes series, of course he's going to say day. So that'll be interesting. Uh, we might even ask Brad Hogg 
about that one as well a little bit later on in the program. But there you go. They're the stories of the day. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 The text line 0457 736 736. Before we get to Jaleesa Apps, our talk topic for today, let's have a listen to Steve Kerr, coach of the Warriors, talking about going and playing against the Phoenix Suns. In this building, you can't hear anything because it's like a club. It's like a, it's like a South Beach club out there. What are we doing? I'm being dead serious. Like I couldn't hear anything out there. It's just the whole, whole game. It's just this thumping, techno club music. So that was Steve Kerr last time they had to travel to Phoenix to take on the Suns. Guess what the local DJ did? Who made it sound like a Miami club? He did this. It's like a, it's like a South Beach club. It's just this thumping techno club music. Thumping techno club music. Thumping techno club music. Thumping techno club music. Oh yeah, wheels of steel. Well done, DJ. So mashed it up. I think is what they say in the classics, and he turned sport into art. So our talk topic for today: when sport inspired art. Can you play a little bit of mine, please, Coach K? It's more than just a batsman with something like a tie. More than just one man, he could take on any side. They always came for Bradman, his fortune used to hide in the palm of his hands. In the palm of his hands. Ah, yes, there is the great Paul Kelly, his song Bradman. So that is when sport inspired art. You might be able to tell me some of the other ones. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 The text line 0457. 736, 736. All right, let's get ourselves to our first break. After that, we're back talking, oh, sorry to say, Garrett, more rugby league with Jaleesa Apps from Channel 7. All righty. Welcome back to the program. We've got JA coming up very shortly before, and I could have set my clock to this, but anyway, when I put out my thoughts on Junior Amon, I thought people, some people will say that's too severe. Other people will say not severe enough. I'm not a Dragons fan. I actually can't stand them. However, how is what he has done worse than what Matt Lodge did? And he got off with a slap on the wrist. No consistency. That's John. I'm not sure. He, he was minimum 12 months out of the game. But uh, anyway. Uh, and then we get this. Tiger Davo. Jimmy, you're having a laugh. Six games for that. Suspend him for the season. It was a vicious attack and unprovoked on an innocent person. Money won't hurt him. Not playing will. So... There you go. Why don't we find out what the great J.A. has to say about all of this. She's on the line. She's from Channel 7 too, by the way. G'day, J.A. Oh, g'day. I love when we start with a positive note. It really <laughs> uplifts me. <laughs> all right. Can we turn it this way then? Kerry, um, K.J. O'Keefe said earlier that he fears that Australia is losing their love of cricket. Now, I know you're a cricket lover, but do you get that sense? Wasn't that a fantastic clip? Was that Chuck that did all that? The great two-buck Chuck, absolutely. Oh, he got a... That was a fantastic interview. Like, Kerry was giving a lot. Uh, he said, who cares about the Dragons in November? <laughs> I don't care. And then, so, did he tell Brandy to... What did he say? Brandy? It was something pretty... 
Chuck just had something. I don't know. He had a hit of brandy. I thought this was a great interview by Chuck. But uh, I would say, yeah, maybe um, maybe not that Australia's losing its love of cricket because I think uh, even winning the Cricket World Cup, I think the, everyone got excited about that, whether you're a diehard cricket fan or not. I'd say what yep. maybe correct in what he was saying that is the league season is certainly running into cricket season now I've noticed that last year and this year more than ever I feel that the storylines last year was because of the World Cup um, and you know you had access to so many players and everyone who was over there including myself was putting up content every day um, and then this year I just feel like there's a lot of storylines that have continued from one season to the next and then last season you also had the introduction of the Dolphins that was all kind of happening in the pre-season. So I just think league season's maybe starting to creep on a bit of cricket territory, but I don't think people are losing their love of cricket. Well, I'm not. Certainly the people I hang around aren't. And that, that's the other thing too, J.A. We're going to see a very familiar Test 11 that is rolled out on Thursday, and that's understandable as well. And the biggest talking point leading into this Test series and leading into the BBL and it had to be created by cricket themselves. Mitch Johnson having a go at Dave Warner. But beyond that, it's it's all very, very much as you were. Yeah, which I find um, funny because some people, like, sort of complain about that, like, it's boring. But, like, the back in the t- 2000s, which is when I guess I developed my love of cricket, you knew the team inside out, and that's kind of what you liked about it, right? Like, yep. well, that's what I liked about it, that um, you always knew who was going to be, and we had a few years there where that wasn't the case. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess like the, we, there's no denying that also the touring test teams this summer are probably not uh, the most interesting. I actually think Pakistan maybe are being a little bit underrated. I think they will be interesting, but given how the West Indies went last season, people aren't really excited for an encore. Um but maybe that's that's just a you know a, a reflection of what the season's looking like this year. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And and I would say that the ICC Cricket World Cup, the great win from Australia, and the massive TV audiences that were watching it underscores just how popular cricket remains in this country. And that was a that was an ICC tournament played not on these shores, and yet the TV audiences were absolutely. Staggering. All right. Um, so we don't anticipate anything different as far as that Test Eleven is concerned. We might see a little bit different from the W um, from the Optus Stadium groundsman who said he's really going to shave it down because it just didn't deteriorate as much as it should have slash could have last time around. Who would be a groundsman at the moment? <laughs> it's been like some real We had 24 wickets in the day at the SCG. We had the covers blown off at the PM's 11th. So that game was called off early. Then we had the disastrous one in Geelong the other day where the game couldn't go ahead. It was too dangerous. I think that would be my least favourite job. I don't want to be. Yeah. I don't want to be. This is a job. This is jobs I don't want. I don't want to be in a rugby league coach and I don't want to be a groundsman at anywhere. Yeah. You you don't want to be an elite sports person, but you want to sign a four-year deal and then get injured and have to get paid out. So, you know, this is a quite unique look at things from your point of view, but but we continue. What's happening at the West Tigers? They've bought themselves a winger from New Zealand rugby, but they've got a winger there and they're not sure what they're going to do with him. How's this Dave Nofaluma West Tigers thing going to play out? Oh, doesn't it feel like very like West Tigery? <laughs> like I yes. just hate 
I, I mean, I feel like you every year you just want to go right. Come on, Tigers! This is this is it. We don't want any any sort of turmoil. But yeah, obviously you've got David Lopaluma uh, and Happy there. I, I mean, also remember that he went and did that stint uh, with the Storm as well. So yes, it would be interesting um, to see like how he then came back and how he viewed the the club after that because obviously two different ends of the the table going on that. That was obviously a while ago now. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's never a good sign, is it? I feel I feel like this is the first real test for Benji Marshall, isn't it? And, and the other thing about it is too, so um, Dave Nofaluma's manager is Sam Ayub and, and Liam Ayub. So that, that Sam's deeply experienced about this. He knows what a critical time it is. The last thing the West Tigers need now is negative press getting out there around the coaching of Benji Marshall. So that is a sore point that you can you can agitate at. And that feels like what they're doing here with Dave Nofaluma. Notwithstanding the fact that Dave Nofaluma is derelict in his duty in coming back to training, not in 100% shape. That's what's expected now. Certainly, that's what's expected of your highly paid, professional, experienced players like Dave Nofaluma. So you can see both sides of the story on this one, J.A. Yeah, and not only what's even expected, but the actual expectation that the players are now putting on themselves has been something that, particularly this season, I have been so shocked at the amount of players that chose to return early. That, yep. It just it's that hunger that is building in other clubs. It's kind of like either you catch up or you're going to get really left behind. Like I think I mentioned before, like the Knights, they came back and all of them, bar Adam Elliott, who um, had a little bit of a calf injury, all beat their PBs on the first day. And it's because they wow. were training the whole off season together. Like that. Yeah. That's a hunger there. Like they didn't take time off. You know, that's a level of professionalism that's come into the game of late. So I'm talking 30 years ago, so 25, 30 years ago. But the off-season was exactly that. And you used to, like, back in the day, you did no training in the off-season, literally nothing. And then now the expectation is, well, you do it yourself. And and then there's a lot of people who go, I'm better when I do it with other people. So that's why I'll yeah. come back a little bit earlier or, or train together as a group. So uh, interesting one. Speaking of... Led- Sorry, that was all led within, can I just say, by the playing group, not by um, Adam O'Brien at all. He didn't tell them to do that. They were just ringing each other during their days off and being and getting a whole group together and going in and training themselves at the club. Um, I mean, like, that's a, that's a real level, level of dedication. I'll tell you what, when I'm on annual leave, don't call me. I'm not coming in a moment earlier. <laughs> Oh, your attitude adjustment required there. Anyway, uh, separate issue on that one. Speaking about training at rugby league clubs, what's Caleb Clark doing? Yes, well, isn't this exciting? He's uh, He was training with the Rabbitohs this morning. So um, I went down there for a, a little bit of a, a look. Um, it, nobody gets too excited, Rabbitohs fans. He's not going to join the Rabbitohs. He's just oh. come over and occasionally this happens is that um, you know, there, there is a bit of a merging of, I guess, minds and um, often rugby league players. Like last season, I think it was last season or the season before, the Dragons went and trained with the Waratahs. It's not unusual for clubs to do this, but yeah, Caleb's just come over and decided to have a run with the Rabbitohs and see how they do things. So yeah, we'll have that on our, our news tonight. Wonder why, was any reason why the Rabbitohs? 
I have a feeling, and there is an interview that's going to be conducted, so we hopefully will find that out, but I have a feeling there is a connection with the troll. Right. Okay. I, I think, I'm not sure if maybe he's got, and maybe maybe I'm getting totally wrong, so maybe, maybe we should wait till after the interview is done, but... Um, the, I, I did think there was some connection that he was maybe had was friends with Latrell or, or something like that. I'm, I'm not too sure, but um, yeah, certainly um, was there this morning. Looked like he fit right in, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, okay. So for direct clarification on that, make sure you're tuning in at six o'clock for the Channel Seven News. Um, when did sport inspire art? We've had our own little version here with Steve Kerr and the mashup at the Phoenix Suns and then Paul Kelly and the Bradman song. What about for you, J.A.? Um, well, I saw um, this uh, in Napoli earlier in the year. I saw the Maradona mural, which ah. um, was was very, uh, like, still... I don't know if you've ever been to Napoli or Naples, as some people call it, but um, it, like, is... Maradona flooded still with like memorabilia, with jerseys, with blue everywhere. Um, yeah. And yeah, you climb up this very high hill to see uh, on the back of like a not so spectacular apartment block is um, is Maradona. Um, right. But that sort of, and whilst it was impressive, I actually liked the Greg Inglis one better. I, I just thought <laughs> it was, I was, I kept thinking, I was standing there and I kept thinking, I don't know, I just really like, the, all I could keep thinking about was the Greg Inglis one in Redfern, which is um, like a spectacular image and so beautiful, but maybe that was just my rugby league coming out in me. Oh, there's a lot of rugby league that comes out in you, which is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> uh, just before you go, uh, there's a fundraiser you want to tell people about. Yes. Um, yeah, so uh, probably a little bit niche um, in terms of... Uh, um, people I'm going to talk about, but um, in journalism, we have a colleague called Adrian Archuli. He is um, primarily covers football, and unfortunately, his um, wife suddenly passed away. She, I believe she was only 32. Um, lovely Bridget. Adrian, there's two things that you can talk about with Adrian when you saw him, and that is football, as in soccer, and Bridget. He absolutely adored Bridget, and there was just no one. Like, I've never seen someone talk about um, their partner in such a beautiful way. So, um, unfortunately, Bridget passed away oh, really dear. suddenly. So, yeah, so really sad. And they have two little girls, um, just oh. uh, a couple of years old and, and then only a few months old. So, um, yeah, really, really um, hard times for the family. But there's a lovely um, a lovely football match that's happening um, at Albion Park. Um, Albion Park Select versus um, Community League All-Stars. That's on the, this Saturday, the 16th of December. It's Terry Reserve in Albion Park. Gates open at um, 4 p.m. Uh, there'll be raffle prizes. There'll be auction. There'll be kids' activities. So um, it will be a lot of fun too. But, of course, all the money is going to um, help Adrian, Gracie and, and Margot during a really um, difficult time. And just couldn't find a better person than, than Adrian. So it'd be lovely if everyone could. If you're around the area, you've got something to do, come and support. Ah, what a very sad story. Uh, and thank you for sharing and bringing awareness to that. So um, Saturday the 16th, Terry Reserve at Albion Park. Um, sad finish, J.A., um, but appreciate your time yeah. today. Um, have a great week. Thank you very much. Bye, Jimmy.
Uh, that is Jaleesa Apps. She's a beauty. She is from Channel 7. We're late for the news. We're going to get to that now. Thank you, Amy, on that one. Uh, just before we get to a uh, score update with Coach K, Jimmy, I believe in second chances, but a crime is a crime. This is Junior Amon. He should be suspended two years in line with his two-year sentence. Players who have been taking banned substances are given four years, so why should a player who is guilty of a crime be given any less? Uh, one way to look at it. Oh, I don't necessarily agree with that way to look at it. Just before – oh, well, we'll let Coach K, because we had a text message coming in saying, Please keep us updated with the NFL scores. So I'm sure Coach K will do it with this. Time for a sports update with Coach K. Now, K, Jimmy, listeners, just uh, before we get you to get into this score update uh, and just before we get your little piece of sport becoming art, uh, our second to last show today, uh, we're doing the last show tomorrow. Uh, and then I'm doing a, a couple of weeks brekkie before jetting off for a bit of a break. But you're staying with the afternoons program, so uh, we just think get, just giving people the heads up on that one. That's exactly right. Yeah, last show, and then we're taking the cricket coverage, so it'll be interesting, Jimmy. But yeah, you'll still be on the airways for breakfast, which is good, and we'll have Daniel Garb and Glenn Hawke actually rotating throughout the summer period and afternoon. So we've still got heaps of radio, heaps of content, so it should be a good summer. Okay, fantastic. Now, music inspired by sports. Elton John's Philadelphia Freedom, written for Billie Jean King. But my favourite, Mark Knopfler, Song for Sonny Liston. That's from Stingray. So I hope I haven't stolen yours there, Coach K. <laughs> no, I can tell you right now they have not. But I'll give you mine, Jimmy. Uh, John Sattler, when he broke his jaw in the 1970 Grand Final. Now, of course, it's got to be bunnies related. But even to this day, Jimmy, they still sell... Mm the Rabbitohs half rabbit jerseys. So that is one thing that stands out. So that is a piece of art in my opinion. So so the jersey, the collector's edition with the half rabbit, which was famously on the chest of John Sattler after he had the broken jaw in the 1970 grand final. Yes. You're saying is art. It's a real commercialization of that art, isn't it? Now that they're selling it. Very much so. But it is. But hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. We actually have the centenary Rabbitohs jersey with a half rabbit. So that's one thing that Ah. we've got in our our closet still. So every so often we whip it out. It's a good jersey. Uh, Okay. So the other one was, I was thinking of the John O'Grady photograph of the Gladiators. That was Norm Proven and Arthur Summons as they came together, big man and little man, after the legendary 1963 grand final, both covered in mud. The photograph is a piece of art in itself. And then the photograph became a piece of art on the trophy on the Telstra Premiership. So that is an example of when sport becomes art, becomes art again. So... That's that's another nomination I'm putting in there. I like it. I like it. Hey, Jimmy, we'll go to some scores. Now, the NFL scores, we'll start with that. Uh, right now, the Dolphins lead the Titans 7-zip in that NFL clash right now. And the Giants taking on the Packers, five minutes to go in the first quarter. Nil all is the score. So let's hope it's not going to be another three-zip game in the NFL oh. like the Vikings and the Raiders yesterday. Do you think Aaron Woods and Campbell Graham and co. walked out of that thinking, our sport is so much better? I would love to know how big those four guys are into their NFL. Like, was it an absolute thrill for them to be there at the NFL or was it like, meh, so what, we're over here, Mm. you know, is it okay? And here's the other thing. We just heard from JA how committed these 
these uh, NRL players are now. I wonder, do Campbell Graham and Spencer Lenew and Billy Walters and Aaron Woods do a training session together over there? I would say there's very little chance you're doing that. I reckon they are. I reckon they are doing training sessions. I reckon they do a weight session for sure. That is interesting because they they probably hardly know each other, I would suggest. No, no exactly. So exactly. wouldn't that be a bit so, strange that four people for different clubs who don't know each other in the gym lifting weights together? Not at all. Okay. Not strange at all. Okay. Not strange at all. They would go over there and um, I reckon I reckon each one of them, they have seven days off the pre-season training, right? Think how important pre-season training is right now. I would suggest all of them have a program, individualised program from their club. Right. That said, hey, you've got to do this. Okay. Okay. Uh, to the BBL, Jimmy, the University of Tasmania Stadium, the Sydney Sixers won by six wickets with four balls remaining. Player of the match was Daniel Hughes. You touched on his performance 60 off 50 with the bat not out. Tom Curran, five of three, not out there for the Sydney Sixers. But I want to touch on this, Jimmy. Paddy Dooley and Peter Hatsoglu... <laughs> Dude, what a duo of spin bowling. Now, I said to you, it doesn't look like Hotsoglu is turning the ball. You said, maybe not. But what do you – you think Peter Hotsoglu is, what, a medium pacer? Well, I don't, Dooley doesn't turn the ball <laughs> either. They're just meds that just come in and they have this, like, funny arm action, hand action. How about when um, – is it Pat Dooley just um, stares at the ball yep. and then starts running in? And then the other one is – Hatsaglu just spins the ball to like 18 times. He's like Novak Djokovic used to be bounce the ball before he served. That's him spinning the ball before he even doesn't spin the ball. But And then one time there last night, he dropped it. He dropped it when he was spinning it. He had to then pick it up again and go, oh, here we go again. Start it up, spin, spin, spin. Oh. Oh, they are two unique individuals. Can you imagine that dressing room? You know, usually you have, oh, look, and there's the leg spinner. Over there, you know, the leg spinners are always a little bit different. Uh, shout out to you, David Crackerhorn. But that, those two blokes in the dressing room, you'd be like, wow, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> and we've got, just on that, we've got Brad Hogg coming up, the leg spinner. Oh, yeah, Hoggy. Looking forward to chatting to him about that. Now, just quickly, one last score before we go to the break. The NBA, Oklahoma City Thunder 31, the Utah Jazz 20. Josh Giddywatch, he's playing. He's played eight minutes and he's got six rebounds, five points. So, He's on track for a double-double, if that's what his stat is in the first quarter. And that's a score update. Well done, Coach K. We're going to get ourselves to a break. After that, we're back with more of your text messages. Lots here. Keep them coming in. All right. We're going to get stuck into it. Uh, we're doing that for sbsfence.com.au. Uh, now, someone told me here, uh, Jimmy AFB, the Bulldogs have pulled out today, as reported by Danny Widler, the rooster man. Yeah, Danny Widler's uh, Twitter saying he's hearing, not sure who from, <laughs> that the Bulldogs won't be making an offer for Adam Fenua Blake. So there you go. So the Sharkies become one of three. Uh, I'm sure Kerry O'Keefe is enjoying the update. Uh, let me play for 100K a year, and I'll come back in tip-top shape every season, 789. It's not that easy, 789. It is never that easy. So, um, But I'm, I take your point on that one. Junior Smithy says, Afternoon, Jimmy. I have an Archie's footwear voucher that I would like to give to Harry. So if I could get his size and address, that would be appreciated. So Junior Smithy, we'll organise that. We'll organise that off-air, mate. So, um, yes, we will be in contact. G'day, Jimmy. My thoughts are that Junior Ramone should not be playing for the full two-year correction order. Cheers, Swivel. So there's one part of it, and this is what we get all the time with this. Hey, Jimmy, on Junior Ramone, he has been given his punishment by the court. He shouldn't be punished again. 
in my opinion. Cheers, Kane. So there we go. You know, wildly differentiating uh, different uh, outcomes anticipated or expected for Junior Amon. Um, I, I was a Dragons fan, says Swivel, but I can't cop them now. So are you saying that's on the back of all the Junior Amon stuff? Uh, Ten weeks and go visit a prison and help rehabilitate people on what a second chance means in life. My nephew is back in jail for a second time now because he didn't take his second chance. Going on your rooster, man. Uh, well, that's unfortunate to hear. Uh, and that's the point, right? You need to... Uh, this is a very complex area, but um, making sure that, that they don't reoffend becomes highly unlikely when they go with in, into uh, institutions with lots of multiple offenders. Enjoy your break, Jimmy. I always enjoy the afternoons with you and the SEN team, and you're always welcome up here in my backyard for a few cold ones, says Miles from Byron. Good on you, Miles. Um, I'm not going to Byron. I'm heading over to the US, actually, um, over the course of January, which I am looking forward to, but... Um, beautiful part of the world. My sister used to live up at Rosebank. So I know exactly where you are, Miles. It is absolutely fantastic. And just before we go to the break, um, we've got Dino. We've got a few others here talking about a song with the legendary Ray Rabs Warren. Uh, Roy Bing was an interesting film clip to it, but Roy Bing. So we might have that for you a little bit later on in the program. We were just listening to Coach Kay and I just dancing out to it during the course of the break. It was um, very good, very good. Uh, let's get to that break. And then after that, we're back to wrap up this first hour. Welcome back to the program. Would you believe a little technical issue there? Uh, I know, I know. I'm as surprised as you. Brad Hogg coming up very shortly. We'll have Afternoons Amplified with Coach Kay. We're doing it, remember, all thanks to SBS Fence, portable toilet and temporary fence hire in Sydney. It's a great team, Alex and the crew out there at sbsfence.com.au. You're listening via SENQ 693 AM in Brizzy, SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. Download that SEN app anywhere at any time. If you've missed anything through the first hour, indeed through the year, through the last week, uh, whenever it is you want to go back, wherever it is you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, go and search for Afternoons with Jimmy Smith. You'll find it right there. one 300 one-eleven-seventy, and the text line 0457-736-736. So we're talking a lot today uh, about the news in the rugby league world, of course, adding for Newell Blake. So Bulldogs out, Sharks in. Um, we are all excited. I see Michael Carianis has got himself a trip over to Las Vegas. Well done, Michael. Congratulations on that. Red, white, and true blue. So that's better. Spencer Linu and Billy Walters there holding their respective team jerseys. So uh, interested. I think it was Mark Sanchez was down there throwing a rugby ball, a rugby ball around. They call it rugby. Don't worry if they call it rugby. Just get on with it. It's. I don't care whether they support rugby or rugby league. Um, just find their support. I think that's the, the best thing for it. Herbie Farnworth has walked into Dolphins training and said, I'm going to be better than I was last year uh, on 2023. 2023, he was absolutely outstanding. Getting away from the rugby league at the moment. This is interesting. We probably could have saved it for uh, Afternoons Amplified, but Rugby Australia is looking to appoint World Rugby Official as their new Director of High Performance. So this is this all-encompassing job that we talked about, remember? Uh, I think they've got to give it a new name, High Performance of Rugby League. No, call it the CEO of Rugby. That's what you can call it. So it looks like it's Sydney sports executive Peter Horn. I must be honest, I've never heard of Peter. He's worked in this space, obviously, with rugby for a long, long time. Um, and I don't know his credentials. I'm sure 
that he's going to be fantastic for that. So he's got the role now of appointing the new coach of the Wallabies in conjunction with the board, obviously, and with Phil War. But he's beaten out Harlequins director of rugby, Billy Millard, who I know very well, and former Wallabies captain, James Horwell, and apparently Rupert boss, Justin Harrison. He was a candidate, then he withdrew from that one. So we, we learn a little bit more about the way forward for rugby in this country. So that's a critical appointment in the lead-up to what is a big couple of years coming up for rugby. I thought this was interesting. Taylan May has come out and said, yeah, yeah, I want to stay at the Panthers, but to be honest, I prefer to play with my two brothers. So his two brothers are Tyrone May, who was looking to come back to the NRL. There was links to the Bulldogs, but he's now signed a two-year deal with Hull KR over there in the Super League. And Terrell May, whose Roosters contract is up, and he's also been linked to Canterbury as well. But if I could, then I probably would like to stay. But then again, I want to play with my brothers, all of them. If I could, says Taylan May. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Junior Smithy said something along the line. If the Bulldogs are no longer in the race for Adam Fanua Blake, and a question for you, if you were in charge of the Bulldogs, would you pay $1 million for AFB or spend that million and pick up Terrell May and Braden Hamlin-Ueli with the funds left over? Uh, I know very uh, easily what I would do on that one. Terrell May, I think, has got a lot of upside. I think the best of Braden Ham. I'd make Braden Hamlin-Ueli do a thorough physical uh, because he has had those injuries concern, most notably around his knee. So that would be my concern on that one. The other thing that uh, has come across the desk too today uh, around Solomon Alamalo, who has joined the West Tigers from the Chiefs. So big fella, 196 centimetres, 99 kilos. So challenging Dave Nofaluma. Um, he's played a number of years with the Chiefs, also played for Canterbury in the NPC over there in New Zealand, which is a high-level uh, club rugby competition. My understanding is uh, they say, oh, you know, he's a great buy. He's a great buy. Well, what did you pay for him? That would be my first question. And the other question is uh, I would suggest not much because he has been shopped around to every other NRL club, most of them thinking that at age 27 he was too big of a risk in the transition to rugby league. So uh, that is the latest news. I think we're also getting Holman Barnes Group giving us an understanding of what that review looks like. I believe that's tonight. Uh, all sorts of pressure on Lee Hadjabentelis to remain as chair, all sorts of pressure on those people in the Holman Barnes group who actually sanctioned the report to maintain their job. So that'll be interesting. That will be interesting. The talk topic for today, obviously, is when sport-inspired art. We've had a number of people asking for this one. Take it away, Coach K. Okay, time now to talk some cricket with Brad Hogg. He is on the line from Perth. We've got the first test match against Pakistan starting in a couple of days' time. We look forward to that. We also look forward to Hoggy's coverage of the BBL. You hear it here on SEN. G'day, Brad. G'day, guys. How are we? Mate, really well. Really well. How's the West? (laughs) It's it's just, (laughs) just me, Hoggy. 
Yeah, yep. Now the weather over here, is that what you just asked? Sorry, I was just moving around. I was just getting out of the office there. No, you're right, mate. I, I'm going to ask, how's things looking for this Optus Stadium test match? Yes, we want to know about teams, and yes, we want to know about grass cover and all those things, but how many people are going to turn up, Hoggy? Uh, depends on harvest over here. I think most of the farmers up north have finished harvest, and uh, I, I know that a few down south are finishing harvest. So, be, being a bush boy, uh, we got a lot of um, country members. So that's probably one of the reasons why they didn't rock up last year, even though that we had the West Indies. Um, so hopefully the, uh, that will turn things around. But I, I think there will be a fair crowd here, especially on day one. We've got a uh, we've got a lot of um, South uh, well Southeast Asians over here, uh, especially from Pakistan as well, that really enjoy their cricket. So uh, there will be a few Pakistan's uh, Pakistan fans that turn out as well. So um, ex- ex- expect a fair crowd. You know what, Hoggy? That's the first time I've heard that mention about where it uh, happens on the the farming calendar. Now I'm an old bush boy as well, mate, and so yeah. I know that every year my father was able to make it to the Sydney Test match in early January, bar one, because harvest went so late. So that had an impact on on the Test numbers there. So um, that's a very interesting point that you make. All right, so all the bushies will be in town. That's good. Are we going to see the same eleven or the anticipated eleven? turn out for Australia in your mind? Yeah, I, I think so. I think Head's going to be uh, batting in the middle order. Uh, you obviously got Warner and Quadra opening the batting, so the top top um, top five will be fairly similar. It'll just be a matter between Green and uh, and Mitchell Marsh. I think Marsh is the favourite of the month at the moment, and I think uh, you just want that aggressive player with Head uh, coming in out five and six with Kerry, who can uh, hold things up at number seven. So I think that'll be a great balance because you want that middle order, if, if the top order have done a fantastic job, just to take the game away and take it away quickly um, so that it gives your bowlers a chance to uh, bowl the opposition out twice. So um, that, that's how I think it'll go. I think we'll still go with line the spinner. And I don't think they'll change with the uh, three quicks that we've seen over the last uh, last decade. Oh, well, Hazelwood's been injured over the last couple of years, but um, I, I think he'll be playing in front of Morris, which is... Slightly disappointing. I think Morris has got a lot of pace, and I think the West Australian crowd would absolutely love uh, to see him bowling here out off the stadium. I, was, I saw him the other day. He was down training at the Perth Scorchers, and uh, my godfather, I, I haven't seen many bowlers quicker than him. He was absolutely lightning. Okay, so in your time when you were playing, uh, who was the one? Am I right in saying, were you on the 2007 World Cup trip where... Mitch Johnson, I think, was a reserve player as well, and no one wanted to bat in the nets against him. Uh, yeah, that was, well, that was uh, that was one occasion. I remember um, we were over in South Africa on one particular tour, and I was facing Mitch in Joburg. Um, and anyway, it was it was quite sharp on off stump, and generally, I, you know, I, I used to love cutting it, but it was uh, just around chest high. I cut it out of the net and I went into the golf course. It probably would have been six over uh, over backward point. Um, not, not because it was a good shot. It was just the pace. And I, I just managed to get enough on it. Uh, yeah. And he just stared at me and he said, uh, if you slightly back away, I'm going to follow your next ball. And I said, Mitch, uh, we're teammates. If you're going to be like this, uh, I'm going to enjoy playing against, uh, playing with you. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he had that pace early on and he, he had a bit of uh, sheer determination as well. And I'm glad that we saw that a couple of years later in the Asher series where he really dominated. Yeah, he certainly did. I think Ryan Harris on one trip said, that's it, I'm refusing to bat. 
uh, to Mitch Johnson, which is uh, under, understandable on that one. He has been in the news quite a bit, Mitch Johnson, um, for uh, over the last oh. couple of weeks. What have what have you made of his comments, Hoggy? And and what are your thoughts on David Warner and getting a send off at the SCG Test match? Well, I'm over here in West Australia, and you're over there in Sydney, and we've got a Sydney audience, <laughs> don't we? Yeah, so uh, we, we go to put, my we go to for this particular segment. <laughs> now, I tell you oh, what, Hoggy, I know you wouldn't do that, mate. And we also go to Queensland too, so keep that in mind. <laughs> well, Queensland's okay. Uh, the, the old Maroons up there, um, state of origin. That, that's always a great contest. But look, I, forget about Mitchell Johnson. I'm looking forward to Bancroft and Warner at, uh, opening the batting for the Sydney Thunder this year. Um, seeing that relationship really take off. But let's get back to the question that you actually asked. Mitchell Johnson uh, on David Warner. Look, I, I think there's a, uh, you know, there's there's a bit of um, animosity there uh, as such. Um, but look, I, I think Mitchell Johnson, with what he wanted to ride, I, I think he's right in one aspect that um, David Warner probably doesn't deserve the send-off uh, that he wants at the SCG as such, if, if you look at his numbers. And then he went a bit too far with other stuff that's uh, that, that, that's happening behind the scenes. So on, on, if you look at the numbers, um, yes, well, David Warner's lucky to be in there. I think he's averaging 28 in the last couple of years. And since the incident over in South Africa, I think he's only averaging 38. And you look at someone like Cameron Bancroft, he's been batting the house down through that particular period, uh, especially over the last two years. He's averaging 60, I think 10 hundreds to his name. So you're looking at those stats and you start to wonder why is David Warner able to get that send-off. But then I sort of look at David Warner's story and where he's come from and what he's done throughout the years. Yes, there's been a bit of controversy there, but at the end of the day, he's got a lot of fight in him. He's been through those tough situations. And you know, if he performs well in the first two test matches, I think it will be great for him to get a send-off in front of his family at the SCG, I think. Every player that plays for Australia uh, wants to play at least once on their home to- soil if they get that opportunity to play for Australia. But if they have a long career, they want that send-off as well. So um, I-, I think that would be great. And I yeah. look back through um, earlier years, Ian Healy didn't get that send-off that he should have had no. uh, up there in Brisbane. And uh, my-, my hero over here, that's the father of Sean and Mitchell Marsh, uh, Jeff Marsh, uh, got dropped in the in in the test match um, uh, here at the Wacker. That would have been his last game. And the worst thing about that one here at the Wacker is they picked the wrong tailor um, for, uh, to replace him. So that they made the mistake of dropping Jeff, but also um, picking the wrong, uh, wrong wrong player to replace him. Geez, you've got good memories here. But can I just ask you, I had it down as a question. I've got to ask you, Hoggy, why do the Western Australians hate the East Coast so much? And I might change that. It doesn't sound like East Coast. It sounds like you Queenslanders, you're okay. How are you with the Victorians? Because it's clear that the, the, the love for New South Wales just isn't there. Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't say, the, I wouldn't say New South Wales uh, isn't. Um, I think I think Victoria uh, there's a, there's a lot of uh, more hate love relationship. I'll put the the, the hate first. Um, yes. But it, it it probably comes with the rivalry from um, uh, from Aussie rules football uh, with Victoria. Yep. And I, I think if you go back in the past as well, um, you know there was a period there where West Australia. I think the first Shield game that I played, or the second Shield game, sorry, Stuart McGill debuted with me uh, at the SCG, and then we came back here. I think in the 12 that was in that team, there was uh, 11 players that had played for Australia. So 
Um, we, we had a period there where we were producing a lot of Australian cricketers and then it dropped off and I think um, New South Wales had a lot of representatives and I, I think it just comes um, I, th- I think you know growing up there was, a, there was a lot of talk about New South Welshmen uh, always getting f- uh, favoured for Australian selection if you get a blue cap you've automatically got a green cap type scenario um, so th- it comes back from early on um, rather than uh, the, the period of time right now so that, that's probably where that that uh, relationship with Sydney um, sort of fell apart. And you're going yeah. back to the 1970s there. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a long yeah. time ago. Sorry. Well, let's get let's get to the present, Hoggy. We've got a great BBL tournament that's, that's in action now. The Scorchers have been phenomenal. They've won five championships. They've won the last two. Um, some just amazing performances. What makes them so good? Can they do it again this year? Oh, look, uh, I was fortunate enough to be at a function the other day where we, um, uh, Justin Langer, myself, uh, Simmons, who played for New South Wales, uh, who's from WA, then came back and played for the Scorchers, who made that, who had that wonderful year where he made 100, I think, in the in the final. And Mitchell Johnson was there, who, who we were talking about. And um, the, the crew there were just uh, fantastic. I think, I think what makes the Perth Scorchers such a formidable team is... Um, uh, the young generation that were coming through when the, when the Big Bash started, you're looking at your Turners, your Bancroft, who's over there at Sydney Thunder now. Uh, we've got Whiteman back from the Sydney Thunder here. Uh, th- those, those particular uh, players, that age group, uh, came into the system and uh, they were leaders from the start. They wanted to take uh, WA cricket forward. Um, we created a cr- great culture from day one where we really interacted with the fans as well. And we created that community spirit over here in West Australia, and we just realised that yes, you, you play to win, but it's 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 not about the win. It's being it's about being consistent, but it's about putting people first. Um, so yes, uh, what's happening in your life was more important than what what was happening on the field, because if you if you've got your life in order, then all of a sudden your cricket looks after yourself. So it it was um, it, it's more of a focus on on the full full human being rather than uh, uh, just having the individual there just to, to perform on a cricket field. I think that, that that's the thing that makes a huge difference. Yeah. I've always admired Ashton Turner. Like, Ashton Turner is a guy who I think is probably a little little unlucky. You probably agree with me. Not to have played more for Australia because he he's just class in, in everything he does. I want to ask you about a couple of spinners, mate. We saw them in action last night. Patrick Dooley and Peter Hatzaglou. Um, you, unique action, unique actions, uh, unique lead up to the action. Um, different dudes, Hoggy. When you look at that, w- what do you see? Uh, look, Hatfield, I can speak a little bit more. Dooley, I've only just seen. Uh, I haven't seen enough of Dooley, but uh, he's he's got a bit of an interesting action as well. But um, the, the one thing I like about Hatfield is he was over here at the Perth Scorchers. Um, he knew that he wasn't going to get a game every game, especially here at Optus Stadium. But uh, just his work rate, uh, his will to improve was was just awesome. Uh, he knew his limitations, but he also knew his strengths, and he he had fantastic game plans going out there out in the middle. And I really want to see him succeed. And Dooley, he's something different as well. Uh, if, if I'm looking at him, he's got a, a pretty high action. I like the way that he uh, sort of uh, has that action where the arm goes over twice as well. Um, yeah, so yeah. That there's a bit of extra, 
yeah, there's a bit of extra speed there. Um, but I, I'd like to have a little bit more of a look at Dooley, see what more uh, variations he's got. Um, that's that's probably the big thing. But uh, I, from from what I've seen, both of them are very consistent on their line and length, and that's probably the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. You're very consistent on your line and length, Hoggy. Uh, always enjoy chatting, mate. Very refreshing. Enjoy that test match starting on Thursday, and we we'll look forward to hearing you across the SEN airwaves, uh, BBL 13. Yeah, and just just quickly, just uh, watch out for Hamish McKenzie as well, another left-arm leggy that's come on the scene with the Perth Scorchers. Um, I saw him the other day, and uh, the keeper wasn't picking him too well, so that that's a good sign. Okay, left arm. Le- I, I had a mate I played in uh, high school. He was a left arm leggy. I was the captain. And to this day, we're talking 35 years, Hoggy. To this day, he still th- feels that I underbowled him. So um, it always happens with the left arm leggies, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, exactly right. Don't worry. I tell Tom Moody that as well when I, when I first started <laughs> out. But uh, oh, look, at, at the end of the day, we're, we're very lucky. And look, um, uh, you know, actually, you know, you go back with the love-hate relationship with Sydney. Um, I just want to say that I've I've always had a remarkable uh, love for Sydney over there. Every time I was there playing playing cricket, the crowd were absolutely fantastic for us. And um, you know, the, the Perth Scorchers, we absolutely love the Sydney crowd. The crowds have been. Uh, they respect us. They uh, they love what we do, and um, you know I, I think when you talk about that uh, love hate relationship with the Eastern States, I think I think things have turned since the 1970s, especially in the last 10 years, with uh, West Australians' love of um, of uh, of New South Wales. So I just like to thank the New South Wales crowd out there for what they did uh, with me, uh, supported me, but also um, how they how they've supported uh, WA teams when they've come over there as well. A lot of love and respect for you, Brad Hogg, on this program. No doubt about it. The listeners as well. Great to chat, Hoggy. Enjoy your test match and your BBL, mate. Yeah, thanks very much, Jimmy. Have a great day. Cheers, mate. There he is, Brad Hogg. Uh, he's, I like him. Oh, he's just so refreshing. Looks at things differently. Um, I like that. The hate-love relationship. Not the love-hate. The hate-love relationship that the West has, mostly with Victoria. So that was refreshing. Queenslanders, you're okay. You're fine. The Maroons, he's okay with that. But... Uh, New South Wales, eh, Victorians, definitely the hate-love relationship there. All right, give us your thoughts on his thoughts, 0457 736 736. Let's break, and then we're back with more. All righty, we've got the news coming up very shortly. Love to get your thoughts on Brad Hogg. I like it because it's different. It's refreshing. Um, doesn't say the same things as everyone else, so that is a strength. We've got the two NFL games going on at the moment. We're a minute away from halftime in the Titans-Dolphins game. That one's seven apiece. We're a Three minutes away from halftime in the Packers-Giants game. That one is seven apiece. But Dan on social media has sent me something saying Hill's gone. Tyreek Hill has injured his knee on a play. It's still not back in the game. So, ooh, that's after – well, that's just before the end of the first quarter. So Tyreek Hill is a genuine MVP candidate who was having a stellar season. He's an out-and-out star. He's arguably the fastest bloke in the NFL. He may well have done his knee. So that is very, very disappointing for any Miami Dolphins fans who are out there. There are reports emerging that Tristan Saylor has been granted a release by the Broncos. Effective immediately, they're saying he'll sign on with the Lee Leopards on a two-year deal. That's from Steve. So... We'll try and get uh, an update on that, Steve. Jimmy, is it just me or is that ex-cricketers seem to have a problem with David Warner getting a send-off? Because they didn't or their mates didn't. They are sounding quite sour. Thanks, Dom. 
Yeah, so I, look, I understand their point of view, but remember it's a new system too, a new regime as it were. So should Ian Healy have been given a send-off test match at the Gabba? Probably not. But then if you don't do it for Heels, why do you do it for someone else? And the thing about with David Warner, and we've spoken about it on this program, we spoke about it when he did it. He put the selectors in a difficult position because he he gave them an out. Oh, well, he's leaving at the end of the test match in 2024 in Sydney. So it allowed them to, I won't say tolerate, but maybe that is the correct word, his failures again in the Ashes series. So what did he He, he averaged 28 in the Ashes series. Might, actually, might have been 22. So, like, you know, like it's, it's a meagre return, but because you've settled on your or, or suggested your exit time, then, you know, the selectors, selectors miss their opportunity to make that, that very tough decision. Hey, Brad Hogg, inferior, uh, inferiority complex much? That's from Simon. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Earthboy, Aussie rapper, did a song about the late Phil Hughes called Nambucca Boy. It's a great tribute, says Dan from Coffs. I haven't heard that, Dan. I'm going to look that up a little bit later on today. Uh, morning, Jimmy. Great show. I think we should pay the victim. So this is Michael on the Gold Coast, which explains morning. Uh, he, this is Junior Ramon, should pay the victim the fine and be fined by the NRL and Dragons as well. So if it's $100,000, pay the victim that, then the same amount to the NRL and the Dragons. Geez, there wouldn't be much left, Michael, I would suggest, uh, without knowing exactly what uh, Junior Ramon is getting paid. And just before we go to the news, uh, well, Talon, pack your bags, buddy. This is from FP. We were talking about the fact that Talon, yeah, he wants to play at the Panthers, but he also wants to play with his brothers. We have a more than capable replacement for you, and then the Panthers can top up Jerome. So he's a good player, Talon, mate. Very good player. So missed all last year with that ACL injury. So it'd be interesting to see what they do there. That That might be a little cap save. I don't know that the Panthers would then go out of their way to increase Jerome's number because Jerome's very close to signing with the number that he's got right now. Remember, they went from, did they go from 850 to 900? We don't know exactly, but they, they also went from two years to three years, which is very different again. Keep the text messages coming in, 0457 736 736. And also, yeah, we're getting a lot of, uh, nominations for Bob Dylan's song Hurricane on Reuben Hurricane Carter. So uh, keep those coming in as well. That's right. When uh, when sport inspired art, uh, 0457 736 736. All right, let's go to the news and then we're back with Afternoons Amplified. Thank you, Amy. Uh, let's get to a couple of text messages before we go to Afternoons Amplified. Jimmy, interesting to hear West Tigers Chair Lee Hadjman tell us clarified that there is no West Tigers board meeting this evening. On the breakfast program, in fact, it's a Holman Barnes West Ashfield board meeting where the findings and recommendations of the independent review will be presented. No prizes for guessing this is Stormy Daniel from Prairiewood. Call me cynical, but do we honestly believe West Ashfield power brokers will sack themselves? It'd be hard-pressed to think the puppet masters in Wade and Andriacchio will gladly step down. Removing the chairman, however, well, that paints the picture that the board has acted. Despite no real change occurring at all, this independent review commissioned by the majority shareholder is just a box-ticking exercise to appease aggrieved West Tigers fans and members. So that's Stormy Daniel from Prairiewood, and it's it's um, 
funny you say that because uh, the interesting thing is that not everyone was interviewed who should have been interviewed uh, during the court. We, we thought how widespread that that interview was. Well, it wasn't as widespread as we anticipated. Uh, as I mentioned, not everyone interviewed who should have been interviewed on that one. Missed the first half hour. So it's songs inspired by sport or songs used in sport. No, you would have just heard it there. Where were you? Grouting? Um, Pearl, uh, when sport inspired art. So depending, what about Kawaja by Paul Kelly? Or You'll Never Walk Alone, played at Liverpool games. Gives me goosebumps, even as an Arsenal supporter. Now, who was the manager, the Liverpool manager, who commissioned... uh, I've got to have to go and read the history of this again. They commissioned uh, someone to write the song that would inspire all Liverpool fans, and I think they've done it. Uh, let's not forget that John Williamson wrote a song after the 1989 Panasonic Cup final. The Steelers were desperately close to an amazing win, and King Wally had a whinge. Amazing. Spanky did not. Are you telling me there's a John Williamson song out there inspired by the 1989 Panasonic Cup final? I was there that night. Uh, St Gregory's College played in the 1989 uh, Commonwealth Bank Cup final. Uh, great win over Holy Cross College ride. Thanks very much, but I didn't really... you got to send it to me, Spanky. Please, please. All right, let's get to this. Afternoons. Amplified. Right, okay, okay. What do you got for us? All right, Jimmy, let's start with this. So Steve Kerr, well, he was in a press conference talking about the Golden State Warriors' upcoming clash with the Phoenix Suns, hence the talk topic today. And he's spoken about... The Phoenix Suns DJing. We played a bit of it earlier on in the show about some of his comments previously. And this is his return serve. Have a listen. Mm. I think it's hilarious. I love it. (laughs) We're in the entertainment business and uh, stuff like that is great. I mean, it's, you know, we're, uh, I, uh, I may have, you know, I may have to respond with something of my own. I'll tell you this much, Jimmy. He may respond, yes. He may respond with something on his own, but you're telling me, Steve Kerr, that you're going to be in an arena with Phoenix Suns and you want to explain and say something. I'm pretty sure the crowd is going to get on top of him on this one. Well, I'll tell you what it was. I'll tell you. Um, so we know how entertaining Steve Kerr is. We learned that from the last dance, right, when mm-hmm. he addressed the adoring fans of the Chicago Bulls after he shot that winning – the winning shot, was it game – it wasn't a game seven, was it? it no. Was, he was absolutely, you know what, himself when he was sitting on the bench and Michael Jordan said, I'm going to give you the ball. You're going to shoot it, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, mind you, he did, right? Yes. And then in the aftermath talked about, oh, here I go again, saving Jackson and Jordan and Pippen. Um, very funny Steve Kerr. I don't know what his musical uh, interests lie, but all the best with that. There wouldn't be more pressure than that shot. You know, the greatest play of all time telling you, hey, mate, this is this is your time to shine. Now, it's kind of like, I don't know, Jimmy, when you were playing in 99 for the Bunnies, I'm just trying to think of a situation where you might have been in that you just felt the most pressure you've ever felt before. Oh, it would have been when Spud Carroll said, you know, you hit this one up off the kickoff, and I would have said, no way. <laughs> Did you ever have to do that? Did you ever take the ball off up off a kickoff? Yeah, I reckon I would have because I played front row – I played front row in a game in a few games, but I played front row in a game against the Broncos in '99. Uh, I think it was Webkey and Sivanasi. Oh, you're joking! They just slammed <laughs> you to the ground, did they? 
Yeah, well, we had a we had a conversation during the week about uh, we'd won four out of our first five. We were playing the Broncos up there, and we had a conversation during the week about um, Alan Jones. I know Alan Jones came in and spoke to us during the week about you know dealing with success, dealing with success. I think the Broncos flogged us by twenty. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry to hear and, that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And after that, I think Steve Clark was the referee. <laughs> And Tucker Coleman on the bus was calling him Super League Steve, but that's a separate. <laughs> oh, Actually, I'm going to get. I'll get. I'll get the game up. I'll get the game. Yeah, up. please See do. All game. right. Yeah. While you have a look at that, so uh, Mitch Marsh spoke about the World Cup celebrations, and I'm sure they were great. Now, this is probably, I would say, a PG version of what went on for the celebrations. But have a listen. It was a, it was a great couple of days. Um, we yeah, just back at the hotel, basically in the in the change rooms for a few hours. Um, and then back into um, the skipper's room. We had yeah, 30 people plus families and stuff in that room, so it was tight, but um, that's what you want. And then uh, we, we actually went to a, um, a, uh, a private residence of someone's house for the, for the next day and had a pool there and a big barbecue, and um, it was amazing. So, yeah, the celebrations were large and pretty much exactly what you'd expect. He held back a bit, didn't he? Everything. He held back everything. <laughs> he gave scant detail around what exactly transpired. Mm. He told us nothing. Uh, then we went to a house. It had a pool. Mm. Uh, thanks, Mitch. Uh, but you know what? That's fine. It's got to come out in the documentary in about two decades' time, right? That's exactly right. And just lastly, Jimmy, before we do go to a break, uh, it was said in the news, but Alex Demonor has won his second Newcomb medal. Now, that oh, will yeah. give him a bit of confidence, Jimmy. Um, look, he achieved a career-best singles ranking of number 11 in the world this year. I'm expecting semi-decent things in the Australian Open, but we keep talking about it. Brett Phillips is the first one to say it. He's just got to have that strike weapon. You know, He's just got to have something about his game that can upset some of the bigger-ranked players in the top 10, and I don't know if he's got that yet. He hasn't. No. So, um, yeah, no, no, he hasn't got it. Uh, I think he becomes the third player to win the John Newcomb medal on multiple occasions. I'm presuming Ash Barty is is one of the others, but I'm just I'm just trying to look that up, and I'll, I'll get to that. But, um, yeah, Alex Diminor, how does he need to take confidence out of it by he's, – he's got to number 11 in the world. Like, doesn't that give you confidence? Like, you know what you're doing is pretty good. To find an edge on that, um, he's not far away. Um, but that next step into the top 10, that is that is very difficult. Bill Shankly, thank you. 789, Bill Shankly commissioned uh, You'll Never Walk Alone. Uh, just having, you want to have a look at the 99 side that um, lost to the Broncos 30 points to 10 on uh, the 11th of April, 1999, up there at ANZ Stadium in Brisbane. You want to have it? Do you want me to run through the Broncos side for you? <laughs> Go. Darren Lockyer, Michael Hancock, Michael Devere, Chris Walker, Wendell Saylor, Kevin Walters, Alan Langer, Shane Webke, Luke Prittis, Petro Sivanasiva, Brad Thorne, Gordon Tallis, Kevin Campion. On the bench, Philip Lee, Andrew G, Tony Carroll, Ben Walker. <laughs> oh. Against a team with Jimmy Smith. So I know who I'm backing. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's unbelievable. Anyway, oh, oh, hang on. The coach? Yes. Wayne Bennett. Okay, all right. So you stood no chance whatsoever. <laughs> no, we had a meeting during the week about dealing with success, remember? Yeah, so right. Uh, anyway, 30, 30 points to 10. We mm. didn't quite get it done. Uh, thank you, Coach K. Let's get to a break and get some text messages. Back to the program. Uh, yes, uh, that was a reasonably strong Broncos. So, Jimmy, no offence, but the Broncos in 99 were coming last in the first half of the season, says Queensland to 72. Yeah, well, they must have. They've had one win. 
It was against us in round six. Uh, Steve reckons he was at that game in the sports bar. Of course you were. <laughs> of course you were. Uh, Jimmy, Sammy Stoza won the Newcomb medal twice too. Yes, a fraction hard to believe considering her win-loss record, says Scott at Quakers Hill. So I found that list. It's only been awarded since 2010, but Sam Stoza won the first three. Thanks very much. 10, 11, 12. 11, she won her US Open, beating uh, Serena Williams in the final. So fair play to her there. Then Leighton Hewitt, Nick Kyrgios won it. Sam Groth, Dylan Orcott, then Ash Barty, then Ash Barty and Alex Dimonor in 2018. Ash Barty, not presented in 2020. 21, Ash Barty, Dylan Orcott. 22, Ash Barty. 23, Alex Dimonor. So they are your winners of the John Newcomb medal. Uh, now, we're getting to the bottom of you'll never work alone too, and I'll get to that uh, throughout the course of the afternoon. Sport and art, Alan Caswell, the Australia's Cup, particularly the third verse at 2.13 on the YouTube video. Okay, I haven't seen that. And for performance art, the 4 by 100 meter relay team smashing them like guitars. That's good, Jack. I like that. Uh, yes. Um, Smithy, are you on the Terps already? There is only one great Paul Kelly, and he played for the Mighty Bloods uh, and Kin Sing and play guitar. Uh, okay, so Rooster Muzz saying Paul Kelly, the, the bloke from Wagga Wagga, uh, you saying is the, the one and only Paul Kelly. Well, uh, that is certainly not the case. Uh, James, Jay Smith and Julian Troy were the selected starting front row in that infamous uh, PK semi-final versus Manly. <laughs> 1996, says Bondi Jack. Yes, that was the case. Um, that's only because uh, Jason Lowry and uh, Terry Hermson broke their arms in exactly the same spot at exactly the same time. So... Um, yeah, they, the big front rowers, we lost them for the semi-final series. Sport-inspired art, we are the Broncos, Walters and Langer. Hey, hey, we're the Broncos. Yes, that is true. That is true. So thank you for that, uh, Greg. Uh, what do we got? Um, I can't find a copy of the song, Jim. I remember listening to it at the time, referred to on Wikipedia, but it's been forgotten. I'll hit the big man up, uh, although he reminds me of that dreaded Greg McCullum. Uh, okay, so... Was Greg McCullum the referee during the course of that game? Uh, so Statsy from Freshwater said, Jimmy Midnight Oil do an awesome song about the old troop boxes in the early part of the 1900s called Jimmy Sherman's Boxes. You know what? Jimmy Sherman's boxing tent used to come to the the agricultural show. So the Cootamundra show, Dad and I would go in to Jimmy Sherman's boxing tent and there the canvas would be rolled out and any locals who wanted to have a fight could go up there and, and fight against them. It was amazing. Uh, yes, you're correct. I, I didn't do any fighting. Uh, I was going to say I'm a fighter. I'm not a lover, but that's probably not true either. So, uh, Paco from Ramwick. Jimmy, why is rugby league the job on the planet that you have to be sacked from for your job for getting into trouble with the law? The no-fault stands-down policy stops players from participating for offences that could result in jail time of 11 years or more. This player has been convicted. Sentenced to two and a half years, well below the threshold. So there's a different way to look at it again for Junior Amon. So, and, and then we get this from the Pearl. You know, of course, I'm a Dragon supporter and Junior was just starting to show real promise and I hope he can learn from this. But I'll be disappointed if he doesn't receive, at minimum, two years football ban to match his sentence. Perhaps the club will stand by him and welcome him back after that. But even if he moves on and becomes a star somewhere else in five years, I want my club to show some moral fibre. That's 
from the pearl. So there you go. There's a there's a different way to look at the junior Amon situation again. Um, am I ever going to see the Biff again? Says Josh. Uh, that was a bit of Reg Reagan, I think, for that one. Good on you, Josh. Keep sending them in. That was all thanks to sbsfence.com.au. All right, let's break, and then we're back to wrap up this hour. Third and final hour on this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we've got a lot of people lined up looking to have their say, so we'll get to them very shortly. We are listening across the SEN network, SENQ uh, 693 AM in Brisbane, SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. Remember, download the SEN app anywhere at any time. So the open line number, your chance to win $100 cash, thanks to Tristan and the team up there at Top Sport, one 1170 The Who Am I coming up, Daniel Garb coming up as well. Smithy, this is Rooster Mars. I don't know where you got your information from, Re. You'll never walk alone and Liverpool, but it is wrong. You'll Never Walk Alone was and still is sung at Celtic Park, home of the Mighty Hoops, before it was sung at Anfield. Now, Rooster Muzz, that is, there's a great deal of speculation around that, just reading the history of it. So, uh, and remember, Bill Shankly, heavily involved, Spanky, heavily involved in that. So uh, there's a lot of clubs that, that well, Celtic claim it, Liverpool claim it. Now, uh, Borussia Dortmund, they sing it as well. Um, apparently, Feyenoord, they sing it before games. So, uh, FC Tokyo sing it before games, can you believe? So, uh, yes, uh, up for debate. Let's leave it at that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Let's get into this. Time now for the 2 o'clock flock. And there is a cast of thousands. This is great. Let's go to the Reptile. He is on the line. Hello, Reptile. G'day, Shagger. How are you? I'm really well. What do you got, Reptile? As per this Simone situation, and I get a little bit upset with the rugby league media and that saying, oh, you can't, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't rub them out for a year. The only thing you can't do is what they did because it's against the law. And we've got to remember, the public that they're doing this to are possibly fans and then paying patrons. You do that in any other employment, you're gone. 100% you're gone. You're not even going to be at that job anymore. So we've got to stop because we've got to remember the victims, not the player. Oh, the player comes back, redemption story. What about the victim? There's some victims I know in the rugby league, but they don't even watch anymore because they can't. Too, too traumatic for them. And I think rugby league and NRL forget the victim very quickly and try to get a bit of bleeding heart for the person that's done the wrong thing. Yeah, and, and I totally agree with you, Reptile, too, by the way, too. If, if um, The league can do whatever they like. They, ha- they have the uh, ability to be able to sanction in, in whichever way, form or shape outside of what the law has already done with Junior Amon. Here's the other part to it, too. He's a highly talented rugby league player. So um, they want to mitigate as much as possible how long he is away from the game. I'm talking about the Dragons, but be seen to be doing the right thing if – Yes, in the eyes of the victim, but also uh, within the eyes of everyone else watching on within the NRL community. So what what you're trying to find is, because he's a talented player, the balance between going too hard and going too soft, right? And that finding that middle ground. And, and you make a good point about the victim gets forgotten very quickly. However, the, and this this happens forever, mate. And there are circumstances around this, not just from rugby league, but from every code of sport around the globe. The more talented you are, the greater the uh, leniency 
that you have. Good on you, Reptile. Thank you for that. Jace is on the line, ready to have his say. G'day, Jace. G'day, Jimmy. How are you going, mate? Really well, thanks, buddy. What do you got for us today? Uh, I've got only two things. Um, a song uh, with a sporting sort of thing. I always think of uh, the great Muhammad Ali. Remember that song that used to go around back in the day about Black Superman and like it had a nice little ditty. It was a very old-fashioned song, but it kind of summed up the great man himself. Do 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 do. That one. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. Muhammad. Man floats like a butterfly and floats yeah. like a bee. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do remember it. No. That was um that was one that I remember because it was back in that uh, really eighties sort of late seventies sort of time and you know who better than one of the greatest um, sports people of all time but um you yeah that, you that's know that my contribution you, for that yes Jimmy hey uh, Jace you know my uh, the story I like most about Muhammad Ali when he and and the way he used to talk about that he was sitting on the airplane did you hear about that and the um, the air hostess came and said, excuse me, sir, can you put on your seatbelt, please? We're about to take off. And he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said, Superman don't need no aeroplane. <laughs> very good. He would have appreciated that. I think he would have. I think he, I think he would have appreciated that. And the only yeah. second thing I've got, Jimmy, is about um, my New Zealand Warriors. So I see next year as being, you know, they talk about the uh, the premiership window. Um, it's pretty much, I think that's it for next year. With AFB or Fenor Blake looking to make a move, um, a lot of them are at, at their later stages of their career. So Sean Johnson, Tohu Harris, even RTS coming back, he's in his late 20s nearly 30 now, um, Dylan Walker and Mitch Barnett especially, and now with mm. Luke Capewell, um, you know, I, just, I see it as being a pretty much all bets. I mean, it's, they're all in for next year, I've got to say. Yeah, good point, Jace. Thank you for that. I totally agree around those two. Could Sean Johnson play as well as he played this year? Could he possibly play that well again? Remember, he was so close to winning the Dalian. So you'd have to say maybe not at the age. But the other thing is, huge nursery there, huge support for the Warriors. What's coming through? You know, when's the next Stacey Jones and Sean Johnson and Adam Fanua Blake and Ruben Wickey? Are they in the system? And we just don't know about it. Good on you, Jace. Dave's on the line at Woody Point. G'day, Dave. Jimmy, I've got two things that might relate to sport and art. You've got the AFL up there, Casale. Very good. And what about... And what about the 12th man? <laughs> you, know, you know that one, the 12th um, man? Yeah, that, that's probably performance art, isn't it? We, you'd describe it yeah. in that fashion. Yeah, yeah. You know um, and, and that bloke, also... Billy Birmingham, right? You know, you know that bloke, Billy Birmingham? Yeah. He, he, he also yeah. wrote Australiana, which... Yeah was the ostentatious spoken word. It became a number one hit in Australia. And then yep. he, after that, when he did Wide World of Sports and the 12th Man and all that, every single time he brought a, brought a, a, a record out, they were number ones in Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and just quickly, um, 
Tristan Saylor. Obviously, the Broncos need more money, and they're getting rid of all the ones they don't need to replace, you know, so they can keep the other boys. Uh, I would agree with you on every point, Dave, except I'd have to say that I don't reckon Tristan's being paid that much. I would say Tristan was on a deal next year, and Lee came in with a better offer over two years, and he thought, well, I'm not going to get a start. I'm not going to get a start with yep. Reese Walsh in yep. front of me, so... Uh, we'll take it uh, out of that. So good on you. Thank you for that, Dave. Uh, all right, let's go to Greg. He's on the line. G'day, Greg. Jeremy, uh, life, art, and sport. This year, nine books published on AFL. Seven books published on football, including mine. Thank you very much. Your edition out just this month. Um, and uh, how many do you think on rugby league? So who who published them? Oh, my book came out through Fair Play Publishing. It's the third edition of the Encyclopedia of Matildas. Right. Um, but this is these are books on sport that have been published this year in Australia about Australian sport. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Four okay. on rugby league. Right. And uh, I've got a little list here somewhere. Just got to find the bloody thing. Uh, no, I don't know. There's uh, one on surf life saving, one on surfing, a couple on motorsport, and four on cricket, and that's it. All right. All right. There you go. Uh, thank you, Greg. We've got to keep moving, mate. We've got a lot of people there to have their say. We've got Paul on the line at Newcastle. G'day, Paul. Yeah, how you going, mate? Uh, just before anything, uh, I hope everyone has a cracking Christmas. Don't be a deal. We all want to hear you next year. Um, yeah, good on. Yep. Yeah, sport. Uh, sport turned into art. Uh, what about the uh, tapestry at the MCG? Yeah, what do you mean? The way they mow it? No, the tapestry. Oh, is the big, it, is, the is big it... one. I haven't seen it. You haven't been on a tour at the MCG? No. Why not? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> well, I thought you would have. No. Nah, um, oh. It's amazing. It's got all the magic moments that have ever happened on the MCG in a big tapestry. Oh, wow. How long has that been up there, Paul? Uh, a very, very, very long time. Okay. Uh, yeah, Google it. It's, it's amazing. I've, I've done the tour twice, and it's one of my highlights. Okay, okay. Good on you, Paul. I, look, I tell you, I've been to the MCG just once. I've never been to the MCG for a cricket game. I've got to get to a Boxing Day test match there. I had the opportunity to go on an MCG tour when I was on a Roosters trip away in 1996 between Melbourne Cup on Tuesday and Ladies Day on Thursday. Uh, we decided against it. I won't tell you what we did decide to go to. So uh, just each to their own on that one. We better go to Not the Boxer at Camden. Hello, Not the Boxer. Jimmy, how are you, brother? I'm really well, thanks, mate. Do we just say good day, Troy? Yeah, oh, yeah, you can do that. But I've got, to, I've got to recommend that too. I took my young bloke Paddy to it last Christmas, and, and mate, it's amazing. That MCG at the MCG, amazing. Okay. Yep. Amazing. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, now you're going to tell us about something. So, yes, mate. We did the uh, charity, the not the longest day for golf yesterday for um, for the Cancer Council. So we did it out at Camden yep. Lakeside. So, mate, it was hot. It was so hot. And uh, it's the first time I've played golf. First time I've played 54 holes. But the first time I've played that much golf, I didn't have a beer the whole way through it. I, um, mate, it was that hot. 
that I had two beers after golf and, and I went home and I was in bed by quarter past seven, mate. We started at 5.30 and it was a great day and we raised, like my little team of four, we raised about 7,000, but I don't know what they did in total, but it's, uh, it was a really good charity. It was awesome. Fantastic. So if people want to donate to that, they uh, is there any particular way they go about it, Troy? Um, it's just the longest day. So if you Google that, it's the Cancer Council. So it's a yep. official charity, obviously. And, um, yeah, uh, so they had a golf day every year. It's the first time we did it. I did it with a couple of mates from Camden. And um, besides the heat, we had a good time. But, um, ah. yeah, it was awesome. And charity is very important to me. But what's just as important is my dragons, mate. I've been out and about today. So what's, what's the latest? I know... Um, and my own got a suspended sentence or something. So do you think, what's what's the go? Do you think you'll uh, be able to play? Or? I, I suggested a $100,000 fine, 50% of it suspended, and then six matches out. Um, do you, you realise yeah. you signed Adam for Newell Blake? You know that? No, we haven't, Adam. No, no, no I'm, I'm joking. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not that gullible. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I'm a realist. I don't know who will sign. We'll end up signing... Some 38-year-old front row from England that have been playing the second division. <laughs> Good on you, Troy. All right, mate. Take care, Jimmy. Uh, the Longest Day Golf, if you want to check that out for uh, the Cancer Council. So um, I know there was a lot of golfers doing that yesterday as well. Oh, here we go. Stevie's on the line at Brisbane. Hello, Stevie. Afternoon, Jimmy. Mate, just a couple of quick ones. Yes. Um, mate, you and the coach have a Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year and I hope to catch, catch uh, to both of you when you get back on deck next year. But, mate, Thank you. I have to complain. That game that you're talking about where you got flogged by the Broncos, you know, uh, I go there points, to watch mate. a decent sort of football game. I sit in the sports bar, end up getting drunk, coming home. The wife's smart enough not to abuse me that day. She waits the next day and gives it to me. And I'm putting it all down to your poor performance. <laughs> mate, we, we lost 20 points to 10. Did you hear that Broncos song? that I read out. I mean, uh, 30 points to 10. So we lost by a mate. It was Queensland State of Origin side that we were playing and Mick Devere, who was a New South Wales State of Origin player. Uh, and excuses, and the other thing about Jimmy, it was... Just excuses. It, no, oh, no, the other one, the other excuse I've got is Super League Steve. you you got to remember that. So, uh, look, AMZ Stadium was great. It was 10 minutes away from home. Took me five hours to get here. Yeah, uh, you mate. You'll be right. Where are you now? You, you're annoying people at the Broncos cafe, aren't you? No, 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 no. Sitting at home. No, tomorrow I'll go over and watch the boys at pre-season training. Uh, very good. Uh, Tristan Saylor, is he gone? I don't know, mate, to tell you the truth. I don't know. Okay. Well, so, next time you're there, have a chat to Wally, find out what's going on. Stevie? I will do. <laughs> yeah, well done. Good on well, you, mate. Look after uh, yourself, Jimmy. You too, buddy. Uh, that is Stevie from Brisbane. Uh, he was in the sports bar that day in 99. Uh, yeah, anyway, that was a pretty strong Broncos side. Let's get ourselves to a break. Uh, and thank you to all the callers there. Let's get ourselves to a break. And after that, we're going to talk some football. We'll do it with Daniel Garp. Welcome back to the program. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Get us on that text line as well. 0457-736-736. As always, lots of football going on around the globe. At this time, as a result of that, we speak to football broadcaster, well-respected within the industry, Daniel Garb. He is on the line. G'day, Daniel. Hello, Jimmy. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm really well. I'm really well. And, well, 
when I think about the EPL, I've got I've got mixed emotions with this one, Daniel. Okay, big. Let's start at the positive. Big Ange got got the show back on the road again with Tottenham. That's a pretty impressive win against Newcastle as well. And this attack at all cost mentality seems to be paying off. Yeah, I mean they were fantastic against Newcastle, a, a fellow Champions League contender, a side that has got some injury problems and form and confidence issues at the moment as well. But uh, the way in which Spurs played in the second half was simply fantastic. And it's just a mentality that uh, has allowed to fester inside the squad all season long now. And there were going to be dips, and Spurs went through that as they had a tough fix to run and some injuries and suspensions of their own. But there's just so much belief and joy, really, in the way in which Ange Postacoglu wants them to play. That all came to the fore once more, like it had done for the first three months of the season against Newcastle United. Song Hyun Min was fantastic. The skipper, uh, he buys into uh, Andrew's philosophy as, as much as everyone. And uh, he was magnificent uh, on the wing and uh, as a goal-scoring threat. And that was a big statement. They made another one a couple of weeks ago, let's not forget, with that draw against Manchester City. But to come out yes. after a, a disappointing defeat and destroy Newcastle like that, I mean, the confidence inside the supporter group and the playing group is never been an issue. They've been happy with Ange the whole way through, even when they did. But from the outside, just to silence some of the naysayers who have been uh, a little bit dismissive of uh, Ange's plan A and no need for a plan B philosophy, <laughs> I think that would have been satisfying for him and, and all at Tottenham. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so we go from that, uh, the positive, to uh, the little bit of a concern. So... I'm talking about the fact that Man United beaten 3-0 at home by Bournemouth. So Eric Ten Hag under all sorts of pressure on this one. You want to add a layer of difficulty to it, then uh, Manchester United uh, at home to Bayern Munich in the Champions League uh, coming up tomorrow as well. How do you see this playing out, Garby? Not well. I mean, everything at Manchester United over the last 10 years has told you that... uh, this is not going to end well. The most glaring stat, and this is not all on Eric Ten Hag, it's on the, the post to Alex Ferguson era. The most glaring stat that sums up the demise of Manchester United since Sir Alex Ferguson left 10 years ago is that they have now lost more home games at Old Trafford in the 10 years since Sir Alex Ferguson departed than for the entirety of his 26-year stay at the club. Mm. Isn't that incredible? Uh. So, you know, the place hasn't been the same since. They've had little lifts, you know, at moments under different managers. And they had it last season in Eric Ten Hag. And United fans thought, all right, we've we've got our man now. You know, it seems Mm. to be a young, brash manager, similar to a a Jurgen Klopp, who can come in with a a strong philosophy from the outside and change the culture of the dressing room. No, it fell apart from the start of the season again. Uh, they've had the odd moment where they, they've eked through against teams they should beat easily and they've kept the clean sheet and won one nil. But as soon as they come up against a team that uh, is superior to them, they fall apart quickly. And to lose 3 0 to Bournemouth on the weekend at home, I mean, that is just completely unforgivable. So the pressure continues to mount. And uh, when you consider they got Bayern Munich away in the morning and could be yeah. out of the Champions League as well. I mean, it looks like their season is nowhere near where they wanted it to be 
know, well before Christmas. And uh, that is going to pile more and more pressure on Eric Ten Hag. And uh, there's just a feeling of apathy there at Manchester United. The fans are almost over it. They don't want to sit there discussing managerial options. They're just so flat. Um, they'll go there and they'll support their team and they'll hope for a win. But they've got a game against Liverpool coming up on the weekend. And United fans are already looking at it going, we're going to be beaten easily and embarrassed yeah. again against our biggest rivals like they have done on so many occasions in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Theatre of Dreams becomes very much off, off, off Broadway, unfortunately, but um, that's where they're at. What about the pointy end of the table? Liverpool back to the top with that loss from Arsenal to Aston Villa, who might be the story of the season, Garvey. Never mind, might be. Uh, unequivocally, the story of yeah. the season, Jimmy. A fantastic under Emery, what they're doing. And uh, and long may it continue for, for Villa fans, but also for neutrals. I think uh, supporters love seeing a team jump out of the box and uh, and contend. And they're a big club. You know, people forget that about Aston Villa. They're a really big football team. Um, yeah. Part of a big city. They've got a, a big stadium. They're, they're European Cup winners from... You know, close to 40 years ago now. And, uh, you know, they've had little moments in the Premier League era where they've jumped up and been a, a top six team, especially under Martin O'Neill. But uh, they've now got their groove back in a big way under Unai Emery, who is a fantastic boss. They've got an excellent keeper in Emmy Martinez. He won the World Cup with Argentina. And a top-class striker in Ollie Watkins and several other good players around them. To beat Arsenal after they beat City is just yes. a monumental moment for uh, that football club. And... Uh, You'd be silly to write them off finishing in the top four. I'm not sure they can sustain a title challenge, um, but certainly um, being around the top four come the last month or two of the season would be a a fantastic story in itself. Liverpool uh, are in an excellent vein of form at the moment. They've got a tough extra run coming up, but that win against Palace in in stoppage time was huge. Wonderful goal from Harvey Elliott. So they go to the top. It feels like a three-way title race. I know people will say City aren't in the same city right now, but they always have a big run in the last few months of the season because they've rotated their players so much. So you cannot discount them. But uh, Liverpool have got a tough run over Christmas. If they get through that in this position, well, they'll be uh, thinking seriously about a second title in the space of three seasons. Yeah. Well, if Aston Villa are the story of the EPL, then surely MacArthur are the story of the A-League. And and this big win over the course of the weekend catapults them to the top of the ladder. I think we spoke about it last week in the surprise packets, but now the surprise packets who were sitting second or maybe even third, I think, now top of the ladder. That's incredible. Yeah, the top three teams, MacArthur, Wellington Phoenix and Brisbane Raw. I'm not sure anyone would have got close to predicting that at the start of the season. And uh, all under relatively new managers. I mean, Wellington and, and Brisbane certainly are. Ross Aloisi doing a great job with the Raw, Giancarlo Italiano with the Phoenix, and, and Milester Jofsky, who took over MacArthur midway through last season, has got them at the top of the table, which is brilliant. The soccer is great. Uh, they're a club that has been mocked, let's be honest, Timmy, more often than not since they entered the competition. Uh, and now they're just going about their business quietly. They've stabilised. And they're playing really good football and they seem to be enjoying it. You know, and the crowds are building slowly. The vibe's certainly good at their home games. And yeah, it's one to be excited about in the A-League, especially when you've got a, you know, a Socceroos player like Milos Pajowski, who was just such a, a fan favourite for so long and at the helm and, and going about his business nicely and doing ever so well. So, yeah, they capitalised on Andrew Redmayne's red card in the, uh, the game on Saturday night, which was, I think, a little bit harsh, the decision, but I don't know what on earth he was doing in terms of his positioning, just coming way off his line, getting caught in no man's land. And 
got himself into trouble and uh, McCarthy did really well to, uh, to make Sydney pay. Jake Holman, the former Sydney FC player, with uh, his second goal in two weeks. And he is such a classy performer. You watch him and you think that is future Socceroo all day long. Yeah. So uh, enjoying watching him play as well. Speaking of future Socceroo, we believe Nestor Irakunda is going to be that. We've been marvelling at what he's been able to do, but he was a bit of a, a concern after Adelaide lost 2-0 to the Raw Derby. What did you make of that? Yeah, the reaction where he was in tears after being substituted. Yeah. I think it just sums up how raw he is still and how much maturing he has left in him. The fact that he's only 17, there's a lot of pressure on him. There's a lot of pressure yeah. from people around him. He puts a lot of pressure on himself. You get signed by Bayern Munich, and obviously you feel the need to uh, deliver every single time you go out on the pitch. And I think it's simply the fact of being a teenager and, and just struggling to deal with all of that at this stage of his career. And he's got good people around him that are talking to him a lot about that. Um, but sometimes, unfortunately, you, you just can't control um, the youthfulness of, of Nestoria and Kunda, and he's going to have these moments. So hopefully he gets through it. The talent is undeniable, um, but obviously he has a lot of growing up to do, which I think he admits and people at Adelaide admit more than anyone. And hopefully going to Bayern Munich will be the best thing for him to, uh, to be in that environment where you're, you're forced to grow up and they look after you and maybe getting out of Adelaide will be a benefit for him. We certainly hope that, uh, that yeah. that's the case. It's going to be an interesting watch and uh, it was sad to see him in that situation, but I think it's simply a case of all the pressure around him and, and his desire to deliver for, uh, for the club and for himself and for the people that matter most to him. So, yeah, he'll get through it hopefully, but uh, yeah, it was a shame for him on the weekend. Uh, so we've talked future Socceroos. Let's talk Socceroos captain, Matty Ryan. Now, this is a bit of a concern with the Asian Cup coming up in January. What's the latest on the injuries? I, I think he picked it up at training, Daniel. He, he did. So it's a fractured cheekbone. He's got a hell of a lot of stitches in his cheek. Now, it's a four- to six-week injury. The Asian Cup is around four weeks away. So I think he'll be okay. As a goalkeeper, we often see them wearing those facial protection masks. I can imagine yep. that would be the likely scenario for Matt Ryan. I think he'll be there. If he's not and the injury lingers for whatever reason, he doesn't feel comfortable or he has a setback, it's a big concern for the Socceroos because there isn't a, a nailed-on number two there, of course. Landerak was in that position, but he felt like he was, when he was brought out of retirement, he felt like he was uh, treated badly by the Socceroos hierarchy. He's now out of, of action, and, and there isn't a strong option as a number two. We all remember what Andrew Redmayne did for Australia to get us to the World Cup, but his form has dipped since then. He might not even be in the, in the squad for uh, the Asian yeah. Cup. Um, there's Joe Gauci from Adelaide, who's very talented, but inexperienced. And then there's a bit of a gap. So Australia needs Matt Ryan to be there um, as a top-class keeper and the captain as well. So let's hope he recovers in time. I think he'll be fine. Uh, I believe we're hearing you, uh, the dulcet tones, across the SEN Airways next week. Is that right, Garby? I'll be filling your enormous shoes, uh, Jimmy, for uh, a week before Christmas and then a week or so afterwards. Looking forward to it. Um, a lot of cricket to talk about, of course. Looking forward to the test match starting uh, at the end of the week. A lot of football. We'll look at uh, everything that's going on around the world uh, across the summer periods. And, uh, yeah, I'm uh, really excited to chat to the SEN listeners and, and keep them occupied during the festive season. It'll be great. Uh, you'll do it on your ear, mate. It'll be fantastic. Uh, thank you for today. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week, mate.
Thanks, Jimmy. All the best, mate. Thank you, Amy. Blah, blah, blah. Man, you, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool. Get on the toppies and the real teams, not the bandwagon teams. Oh, I go for Man U. How's that going? Ask him about Everton. That's Rooster Man. Rooster Man, settle down, mate. You ask him. You ask him next week when he's hosting the program. So how about you do it that way? Uh, hi, Jimmy. I believe Candace Warner got involved with her hubby and Mitch Johnson, which irked Mitch big time. But no one wants to upset Candace Warner as she is the glamour girl of Triple M, says Tiger Davo. So uh, I don't know if that was exactly the case, Tiger Davo, but uh, I think the response from David Warner in the text message came after something Candace had said on the back page. So that's what happens, right? You're on the back page or you're on Triple M and you say stuff and um, people then, you know, leaves you open to criticism is the way that they do it. I can't believe that Coach K hasn't talked about the Opals today. Uh, the 20-person squad has been named, an extended squad. They're going to cut that down to 12, um, presuming they qualify for the Paris Olympics, of course. But Tess Madgen was in there, so... Well done, Kayla George, also from the Sydney Flames. So well done too. And Lauren Jackson was in, aged 42. So well done to her. That'll be her fifth Olympics. Uh, she's already been the flag bearer uh, and she will equal the record of Andrew Gaze. Andrew Gaze was a five-time Olympian for the Boomers as well. So um, it's an incredible achievement. Righto, let's get to this. Take a guess. Who do you think it is? It's now time to play Who Am I? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. Hey, Jimmy, yes, donkey milk up for grabs today? Is that what you say? Is that what we're doing? We're well, doing the milk? you know, this is up to you. It's, of course, you know, important to yourself and the listeners, but I just want to ask you that question. Uh, check it out at olivalio.store. What a great way to look after the ones you love at Christmas time. So there's a couple of packages there that you can get your hands onto and we'll get the delivery out to you ASAP. As we did with Ash up there at Tawanton. Now, I thought, where the bloody hell's Tawanton? It's up near the Sunshine Coast, up near Noosa. I had to ask Ash a couple of times just how to pronounce that because I, of course, lived how in it... Queensland for a little while and I, ne- I, I hadn't heard of it either, so... Is that right? To Wanton? To Wanton, yes. To Wanton's correct. Okay. Um, there you go. Now, Jimmy, this is, before I get into the clues, this is topical for me because I saw a photo get posted the other day. So it mm. is very recent in my head, which is why I had to do this as the Who Am I. Now, the first clue mm. I'm going to give you and the listeners born in Walgett, New South Wales. Yeah, I think I know it. No, you don't. Rubbish. <laughs> Second clue. Second clue, maybe this is a bit easier. Started his career at Eastern Suburbs before a short stint for the North Sydney Bears and then making his Mm. name at St. George, where he played 207 games between 1985 and 1986. And the reason why I chose the 80s for this, Jimmy, is because yesterday you said to me, oh, you didn't know any cricketers, you know, before 2000. So I thought, you know what? Let's wind it back even further. Okay. Now, okay. the last well, clue. No, no, no more clues. Well, the, everyone will get it. I've got a third clue. You can't stop me yeah, at two. Yeah, I can, because everyone will get it. Okay. Well, I like this. Okay. This is the, this is the third clue. I'm only going to give you this okay. one. Okay. All right. He played representative football, but it was short-lived yes. getting the call up only once for New South yes. Wales. Yes. Okay. Do you want another, do you want another snap, a uh, little bit of a clue on that one? Yes. I believe he was such a late call-up that he didn't have his name on his State of Origin jersey. Wow. Is that a fourth clue? That's a fourth clue. Well, you said he played for the Roosters, played for Norse. There's a clue. There's a clue. There's everywhere a clue. So 
yeah, I'm pretty sure I'd have to get a photo of him. I don't think it had his name on his jersey because he was such a late caller. Wow. Okay. That's um, a cool fact. Yeah. Uh, we'll check. But what a what a, a a very, very, very good player. You know what I find unique, Jimmy, is that you play very few games for a club, then all of a sudden you make your name at the third club, which is pretty Third cool. club. Yep. Okay, yeah. Roosters, two years. North Sydney, one year. Then the Dragons. Mm. Yep. Then the Dragons. Uh, so, so we only played two games in 85 at the Dragons. Um, so didn't play. They played in the grand final in 85, the Dragons, but he didn't get a start. So... Uh, very strong side. Very strong side. Righto. That's it. That's it. The Who Am I? Uh, we've already got 100 people who've got it. So, anyway, Dunny. Dunny's taking. He said George Rose. So, thank you, Dunny. Uh, we know you deliberately do that to make Coach K feel good. But uh, there you go. All right. Uh, so, we'll get ourselves to a break. After that, we're back with more of text messages. Stick around. Okay, so we've got a bit of breaking news to get to right here. Uh, just before we do that, Ricky Walford is the correct answer. And uh, who was that? That was Mark. Mark got it through. No one else got it wrong except Dunny, who said George Rose. Um, beyond that, Tawanton apparently is the home of the mighty Noosa Pirates. Good on you, Ash. Noosa Pirates, I reckon Moses Zembai and Jake Friend, I think, and Noosa Pirates. So well done, Mark. You've won the uh, olivolio.store Donkey Milk, make sure you check it out online. We'll be sending that out to you. Uh, Coach K will get in contact with you. But the big news that's just been breaking right now, Michael Chamis has tweeted, exclusive entire West Tigers board has been dismissed, effective immediately. CEO Justin Pascoe has resigned. Barry O'Farrell, interim chairman. Shane Richardson, interim CEO. Things have just exploded at the West Tigers. Michael Chamis's words, not mine, but that is what we find ourselves with at the moment. And we've got three minutes left of programming. So um, that is disappointing uh, in so many ways. So um, the boys on the run home will get stuck into that, I am sure. And it will be all across the airwaves of SEN. The guys from Sports Tonight, Sats and Jace will get stuck into that as well. This is a massive, massive story. Remember, it was the Holman Barnes Group who were part of the board, commissioned the report. The report's recommendation, it was rumoured, was that the board be replaced. That's exactly what has happened. Just incredible. On the back of that, Justin Pascoe has resigned as well. Huge day at the West Tigers in the history of the club and all of that will be canvassed over the course of the next, well, 24 hours, no doubt, it will dominate. So we will be on the program from midday tomorrow and we'll be across all of that uh, and get all the latest in the um, the why, what, when and how. Um, Hillstorm Hillary said, um, who bloody Ray? Uh, so there you go. Um, Where's Fedora? Oh, yeah, I don't know Fedora being Lee Hadjabin tell us. So um, that will be interesting to see what the fallout is there. What happens now with the Brydon's Lawyers sponsorship of the West Tigers? Does that then come under jeopardy? It's rumoured it being over a million dollars per annum or thereabouts. So uh, we'll have to work out uh, what are the machinations associated with that. Uh, yes, Ash says Blake Wilson is another one from the Noosa Pirates. So uh, just a repeat of the news. So... Um, 
just incredible. Michael Chamis, who posted this literally nine minutes ago on X, Twitter, uh, exclusive entire West Tigers board has been dismissed, effective immediately. I'd love to know, Tiger Davo and Kev from Camden and all those Roosters fans, uh, what, um, what your thoughts are on this. CEO Justin Pascoe has resigned. Barry O'Farrell, interim chairman. Shane Richardson, interim CEO. Uh, and Michael's quote, not mine, things have just exploded at the West Tigers. We will hear so much about that over the course of the next 24 hours. You'll hear it on this program uh, during the course of the next 24 hours as well. Hi, Smithy. John Tapp. A couple of songs about champion pacer Hondo Grattan, the Bathurst Bulldog and Galloper. Gun Sin, the Gundawindi Grey. Thanks, Dog's Head at Erskine Park. Yes, good nominations. Good nominations on on those ones that we're doing. That's uh, when sport inspires art. Um, John Fogarty wrote Centrefield as he had a deep love for the game of baseball and believed that legends of the game played at Centrefield. Some also believe it wasn't about baseball but about his own return to performing. A couple of players are mentioned, but the line, the brown-eyed, handsome man, is to believe to be about Jackie Robinson. And remember, Daryl, that's a great text message. Daryl, um, Jackie Robinson was the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball. I don't think we should question Spanky. This is coming in from the Pearl. His name suggests that he may walk alone quite often. Thank you, Pearl. Uh, thank you. And then we get this one from Pat. Jimmy, the NRL needs to immediately bring a new code of conduct rule in for the likes of what's just occurred with Junior Amon. Uh, the penalty of all these players that get in serious trouble should lose their rights to a further big contract, and their contracts from there on in should be no more than 100K. That is the consequence of being stupid. Never going to happen, Pat. Thanks for the suggestion. Righto, let's break. That was all thanks to SBS Fence. Breaking news. Uh, the entire board of the West Tigers has been uh, dismissed and Justin Pascoe has resigned. Barry Farrell, interim chair. Shane Richardson, interim CEO. Uh, so we will be hearing that across these airwaves over the course of the next 24 hours. Uh, and make sure you're tuning in from midday tomorrow because we'll be right across it. The run home with Joel and... Someone, <laughs> so Fletcher's in Vegas. So I think it's Michelle Bishop. Uh, okay, that was great. We had Michelle on the other day. Uh, well done to uh, Mark, who won the Who Am I? Correctly identified Ricky Walford. So Mark will be sending you out that olivolio.store. Uh, check it out online. Uh, donkey milk. Uh, and then the $100 cash at Top Sport. Hey, Troy, not the boxer for the Cancer Council. Uh, had the longest day. We're going to give that $100 to you to give to the Cancer Council. So uh, I hope that's acceptable to everyone. And if it's not, bad luck. That's what we're doing. Uh, so a big thank you to Top Sport on that one. Final afternoon show of the year tomorrow from midday. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.